everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good friend, Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Pretty well, actually. Um, coming off a, a, an extended hiatus from work. This is my first week back. Um, I managed to accomplish a lot in that time, getting my youngest daughter off and settled uh, at the University of New Hampshire. So she's all settled in and she had her first week of classes and seems to be um, happy. So I'm really glad she likes her classes. She likes the environment. It's cool school. So, you know, now I'm back to work and, uh, and um, feel like I got at least some, some decent rest time uh from the grind how are you good good yeah i i had to keep everything running here while you were gone um barely oh. barely was able to hold it together but we oh, the, just, guilt, the guilt the guilt <laughs> we just barely managed so <laughs> i am glad that you're back thanks it's, it, yeah i am too although and now we're going on a four-day weekend so it seems kind of strange you know um between labor day and our our wonderful company giving us an extra day off too on Tuesday. So we'll have another break here. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way to do it is, you know, be off for an extended period, you know, come back and, you know, just work yourself to the bone, you know, for a week and then another big break. Um, <laughs> is, maybe we should write a book about this. <laughs> uh, the new way of work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many other things about work changing. Why not that? Well, we're going to talk a lot about that in our next volley. That's right. Yeah, that's what we'll talk about when we wrap up the series. But for today, we're continuing this series that we started last time about the trajectory of technology. And last time we talked about integration. And, and one of the things we were talking about with integration was that the, the metrics that companies use to measure success are probably going to change a little bit. They're not just going to say, okay, we have technically connected these components together and that's, that's enough. You know, they're, they're going to want to look at workflow. They're going to want to make sure that there's utilization of, of the pieces that are getting integrated. And, and I think one of the things that they're going to be looking at and one of the ways that they're going to measure success here is the topic that we're talking about today, and that's automation. You know, once you've stitched everything together, you've got more of an ability to let things talk to each other and, and have things happen automatically rather than have to have somebody involved. And, and I think that automation like integration is something that's been around for a while uh, and everyone views it a little bit differently. I guess when I think about it, I think a lot of the back end, you know, so what's happening, you know, in the server room, what's happening kind of on the back end infrastructure, things that are monitoring their own health um, and maybe doing self-repair and and checking to make sure that the entire system is up and running. I think that's one major component. And, and now I think there's beginning to be more of a component on the front end, uh, you know, in terms of workflow, in terms of trying to automate some workflow steps. And I, this has been kind of a long process. I, I would say moving away from like a paperless office into digitizing things like expense receipts, uh, that that's part of it, and and I think companies are are trying to to continue that, uh, and that's what I think we'll dive into a little bit more today. Is you know if if automation is the next thing that companies are really going to be interested in after they integrate all their pieces together, what does that look like? Yeah, I think when I think about automation, I have a few thoughts. I think in the consumer world, it's been happening 
for quite some time in terms of how we interact with our banking system, how we interact with um, various other providers who we work with or things that we need have become much more automated, whereas you do not need human uh, intervention. Uh, and sometimes that can be really awesome and great customer experience. Sometimes that can be incredibly frustrating. Um, and, and so I think we have, um, we've not yet at all reached the pinnacle of good automation. Um, some people do it well, some companies do it well, others struggle uh, and haven't quite figured out the piece yet. Um, but I, I think what I'm hearing from you a little bit is that, you know, the more that we can automate some basic process throughout our organization, whether that's from the server room, et cetera, um, then hopefully what that means for humans is that they are freed up to work on strategic things uh, that will at least require their uh, direct involvement um, for the foreseeable future. And maybe some, those things eventually become automated as well, but it allows more free room for um, innovation to be happening um, at the people level um, while making more of a streamlined organization uh, at the basic level through automation. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think the goal here, and we've seen this in, in the research, the goal is not to eliminate parts of the workforce. The goal is to maximize the workforce and, and get the most out of them and, and take away some of these routine things. And I, I think that your description of the consumer space and some of the things that's happening there, especially when you say sometimes it works great and sometimes it's frustrating, <laughs> that kind of highlights I think why automation is a little different than integration, why we've been talking about it for so long, but it hasn't gotten as much traction. It's because in a lot of cases, we are trying to automate something that has some complexity to it. You can obviously automate very simple tasks. And I think that's where you think about automation happening like on a manufacturing floor. That's meant to be the same thing over and over and over again. Right. But when you increase the complexity a little bit, all of a sudden there are corner cases, you know, and there, there are different things that could be happening and different scenarios that might not be able to get programmed in. And that's where automation has been difficult. And I think that the reason that automation is going to see renewed interest now is because of emerging technology, specifically artificial intelligence, things like machine learning, deep learning, that, that can handle those corner cases a little bit better. You know, so they can use probability, they can use the past to to make guesses about what they should be doing. And I think that increases the the, the likelihood that you can automate a process or that you can automate it uh, to a certain percentage, right? And, and think that most of the time it's going to happen well uh, and sometimes there might be some oversight. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I, I think that's been the, the tipping point here is that you automation has always been difficult because of the wide range of scenarios that you want to cover. But now we have technology that allows us to cover those scenarios better than we could before, even if it's not completely perfect. Yeah, it makes me think of old movies where the you know the robots or the computers of of, of days gone by um, would be automating something. But if anything, any monkey wrench got thrown in, it would just you know everything fell apart. It, it, and and I'm trying to think of a movie. I, there's there's been a whole genre of them where it's just like this is how we do it. This is how we do it. You know, to use a robot voice, and um, and then something 
you know, gets thrown in the mix that isn't the normal and it throws the machine completely off. And I think what you're saying, and, and I and I 100% believe you, is we've now reached a new point with um, technologies like AI and machine learning that are going to be able to uh, account for and deal with um, those right-hand, you know, curves that weren't expected and, and, you know, or, you know, the way that people think, which is non-linear. And so their minds are bouncing all over the place. And uh, for a process or a workflow that is automated to be able to um, accommodate that and adjust uh, is going to be really important. And I think we haven't really been to that point yet. And now, like you said, with some of these newer technologies out there, uh, we may be able to get to that next level with automation where it's more reliable. Before we go any further, I want to give you kudos on that robot voice. You don't often uh, go into character on yeah, a volley episode, but uh, that might be things that we want to explore more in the future now. As I was doing it, I thought, hmm, this is, I don't know, I don't know if this bodes well for me. But uh, okay, yeah, you can make fun of me if you want. I'll come up No, no, very good. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that automation, kind of like you were highlighting at the beginning, makes people think that we're trying to get rid of jobs, you know, that we're trying to eliminate workforce, you know, whatever. And, you know, again, from, from a company perspective, what we see in the research and, and when we talk to people, that, that doesn't seem to be the primary motivation here. And I think that there are a couple of reasons for that. You know, one is if you can start to automate some complex processes, and maybe it's not perfect every time, but maybe it works well enough to give people the bandwidth to to look at other things, you know, and, and they can't completely walk away from it because uh, maybe every once in a while it's going to go a little awry. But for the most part, you know, they can, they can trust that these things are going to happen automatically. And over time, that gives them the bandwidth to do more innovation, uh, more strategy, things like that. I, I think the other part of it, like we've talked about with AI, is because these things aren't going to work perfectly, because they're not going to guess right on the corner cases all the time, there has to be some oversight there from a technical perspective. Uh, there has to be some some watching it, you know, for, okay, when are we going to know when something goes wrong and what's our response strategy going to be to that? And once we have responded to it, how can we debug it and improve the algorithm and make it better for next time? I think that level of activity goes up a little bit. So you, you put in this automation and you get some benefits to it, but there are, there are some costs as well. And, and you've got to be willing to to put in those costs and have your people trained right and, and have them uh, with the right skills, not just on the technical side, but also the business side. Because again, th these things are kind of complicated. And so the, the, the process that you're trying to automate, uh, you need to understand what that process is and why you're doing it. Um, so that when you hit these unforeseen circumstances, you can respond correctly. So I think you've got that extra layer of, of oversight that we think is always going to be needed when you're inserting AI into the process. Uh, so I think that's something for companies to consider. Yeah, I also think that's an opportunity for uh, an MSP, managed service provider, um, because that's what they do basically is, you know, for, at, at the very base level, it's, it's oversight, management, troubleshooting, you know, when, when you know, the, the, the horn goes off that something's wrong and the blinking red light, they're there monitoring that. And then they're able to insert themselves and fix it. And I see, um, I see a, a big role 
for uh, that segment of the channel to work with their customers who have done quite a bit of automation of their own systems internally and to take that over as just another piece of um, the routine management and monitoring that they do of all their other systems and infrastructure. I think it's really interesting that you bring that up because, you know, as I'm thinking about it, integration, like we talked about last time, um, can be a kind of cut and dry exercise. It's, it's technical, you're putting the pieces together, and that is the space that a lot of uh, solution providers maybe used to live in. Uh, and, and now this, this entire evolution into managed services, we, we've been seeing it for a long time and we're going to see it. It's not like we're flipping a switch, but I think part of the, the evolution there is that there's a serious mindset shift into, I'm not just doing a technical job here, but I am building a solution that the business needs. And so I have to understand what that solution is and, and that it does become more of an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's not quite the same type of work that I was doing before. And, and I think we've seen a lot of firms that have really embraced that and moved into it. And I think we've seen some that, that have struggled a little bit. You know, they, they think, well, I, how can I sell automation? And it's like, well, you can't sell automation. You have to do automation and it's an ongoing thing. And there's a, a, a much deeper list of things that you need to understand in order to do it properly. Yeah. I think it can become a practice area for even, even as a consulting area for a lot of um, folks in the channel, just because you're helping your customer figure out the best way to uh, automate process, automate workflow, all of those things. And if you can walk them through uh, the architecture and the algorithms and what's involved, you don't even necessarily have to do the work itself, but you can be that consultant and help it align with whatever their business goals are. If you're an MSP, like I mentioned before, then in addition to helping with that upfront work, you then become the person who kind of keeps an eye on things and you monitor and manage. And so to your point, Seth, automation, like many other things that we've talked about is not something you quote unquote sell, but automation services, is certainly something that I could see in a portfolio uh, and and helping companies with that work and then helping them then um, monitor it going forward. Uh, So I I don't see, we've done studies. We did a study a while ago uh, and we asked a question um, uh, about three different terms and automation was one of them and the other was offshoring and the other one was outsourcing. And we were trying to get sort of what the zeitgeist was in people's attitudes um, about those negative, positive. And you know, outsourcing, super negative highs. Um, offshoring also got a big, big negative. Automation of the three got the least negative. And I think because some of the, you know, the channel respondents to that study understood that automation doesn't necessarily mean we won't be needed anymore. And I, and I, I think, and I, again, this study was at least five years old. So I'm sure by now uh, we've seen even a bigger evolution on, and, you know, commitment to that attitude. I would say um, that, you know, if you're thinking the right way, automation can be a business opportunity for you. And it's not necessarily knocking you off to the side where you don't have a role anymore. Mm-hmm. The last thing that I would probably say on this topic is the reason that 
we're bringing it up here as part of this trajectory of technology that that we're talking about happening right now is because there's resiliency um, that that companies are looking for and the the whole reason that we started this series i think was because we were looking at the the environment we were looking out at the economy and the landscape and what we were hearing from people and and seeing happen and there's a lot of noise about, you know, what, what has COVID done or, you know, what, what are companies' COVID reactions? And, and this is part of that. But I think the intriguing thing that, you know, we've got integration and automation, which, which are topics that have not come out of nowhere. You know, they didn't get created because of COVID. They were always there. The mm-hmm. thing that's changed is the priority that businesses are placing on the end result. The, the technology is the same as it was a year ago. Um, and, and again, with, with automation, there's a little bit more of a, an emerging component with AI. But I think even that, you know, if you want to look back a year ago, th- those pieces were there. You, you could have been doing something with it. But a lot of companies were maybe choosing to defer those things. They had it as a nice to have. And now that they've lived through this experience, they, they want to do something different. So the, the motivation has changed but the technology itself has, has not so much. Um, and it's, it's just the, the direction that companies are heading now. Yeah, no, I, I believe for companies that are in a, a decent resource position and have forward thinking people working for them, there becomes a sense of urgency during a crisis time like we're in right now, whether it's a recession or whether we're in a pandemic that uh, you know, double down right now. Think about, well, yes, those, those technologies existed a year ago and we were thinking, like you said, nice to have. Maybe what they're need to have now. Maybe we should definitely start to deploy them, use them, figure out how they're going to help us run our business better because you know, bad times always return to good times. We live in a cyclical society and world and, and so... Um, and nothing, knock on wood, really lasts forever, and uh, and at least the bad stuff. I'd like the good stuff to last forever, but um, and, and so yeah, to your point, uh, I think this odd, uncertain weirdness that we're going through right now may have accelerated some companies to think about the ways that they can use some of these enabling technologies uh, to better their business, and why not take advantage of it if you can. Definitely. Um, well, I think that's that's a wrap for today. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, chapter three. Yeah, yeah ne- next week will be a little bit of a left turn. Uh, I, I know I've referenced the, the blog post that I wrote on this topic. And, and in the blog post, I had four different areas, starting with cloud computing, which we haven't covered in our series here. But cloud computing, integration, automation, we're all a little bit of a continuum. But this last one, I think is a bit of a departure to talk about workforce enablement. Uh, and I think we're going to share some thoughts on, you know, where we see things headed as far as remote workforce and the technology that enables it and where some of those gaps might be and what companies should be thinking about. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think of all of the things we've talked about in this series, uh, the changes and kind of upheaval around workforce is probably um, the most dominant, so. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So um, I will talk to you about that in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna come up with some new voices, so. Oh, good.
<laughs> I have four day weekend to think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plenty plenty of time to uh prep and practice. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, my friend. Well it's good chatting. I can't wait for next time. All right. Have a good weekend. You too.